not a weapon of mass destruction. And God, I want you, God, just to really touch us through this series, to really realize the power of our words. And really, God, through this month, to change our words, the way we speak, the way we address each other, the way we talk. God, may there be a complete transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now wipe your hand because you've got saliva all over you, amen. And um, that's great. But in the power... Of words. Come on, say that with me, the power of words. The power of words. And today we're going to talk about, are you connected or disconnected with your words? Are you connected or disconnected with your words? I really sometimes have to wonder and ask myself if we really do understand the power that our words carry. You know, how they can build up, how they can create but also how they can really tear down and destroy or destroy others. And I I really believe that if we really did understand the power of our words, we wouldn't say much of what we do. Come on, a lot of things that we say, we wouldn't say. We would bite our lip. We would hold our tongue. We would maybe, God, just take a breather, have a time out. Why? Because we would not say those things because we realize... Or I pray that we're going to realize how damaging our words truly can be. And this is going to be an absolute massive series. I just think this is going to be so good. I think it's so timely for every one of our lives because we're living in times right now that are pretty uncertain. You're turning on the news and we're seeing what's happening in Baltimore. We're seeing the, the, the riots and just the unrest that's happening. Have you noticed there's just a real racial tension in our nation and it's just a real attack of the enemy that's come in through Ferguson and just different situations and circumstances and some been brought upon by wrongdoing. Let's be honest with that. But yet what's taken place and the results of those things. So with that and other situations, we've got to watch because we can address those things wrong with our words. And we can be so negative and and we can speak so down about those things instead of realizing that things aren't going to get better. Come on, things are going to get worse. But the darker the night, the brighter our light can be. And we don't curse the darkness, we light a candle. How do we do that? With our words. With what we say, speaking life and not death. And we're going to go on a great journey. I'm telling you, I really want you to be here and, uh, and just make a commitment. We're going to talk about that we don't have freedom of speech. In this nation, that's one of the things under the Constitution that we're so proud of. We have freedom of speech. The reality is, as Americans we do, as Christians we don't. We can't just say whatever we want to whoever we want and expect no consequences from it. We've got to realize that in our lives. And it's not just freedom of speech from our mouths, but also with our fingers, what we type. Because we fail to realize or make the connection, I think, sometimes of the fact that whether we type it or say it, we've still said it. People are still hearing or reading, which is the same as us saying it. They're still reading something that we've said. So watch. Well, I would never say that, but I'm just going to type it. Huh? What? If you can't say it, you definitely don't need to be typing it. And you need to watch with all those kind of things. We're going to talk about venting. Have you ever said to someone, can I just vent to you? We're going to kind of define that 
and look at really what that is because I think that needs to be defined. And, and plus, if you are going to vent, I think you've got to watch at who you're venting to. And venting does not still give you the right to say whatever you want to whoever you want. You know, the Bible says this, and I'm not going to go to the scripture right now, but you can read it for yourself in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. It says this, that we're going to have to give account for our idle words. And we like to think that we can have idle words. Oh, I'm just venting. It's just idle. It's just neutral. It's not going anywhere. It's just saying, you've got to realize this, that there are no such thing as idle words. Because we're going to have to give an account for every word that is going to come out of our mouths. Look at this statement. It may have no feeling to you. Come on. It may not have no feeling to you, but it still can destroy someone else. Come on. Well, that was just harm. I didn't even feel those words. You can cause destruction for things that you don't even have feeling with because that's the power of words. Come on, say with me, the power of words. But make it personal today, the power of my words. Come on, the power of my words. I want to look at our key verse today and really from an important passage of Scripture because anytime we're talking about words, I don't think we can fail to go to James where it talks about the tongue and a chapter in James chapter 3 is pretty much predominantly all about the tongue. And I just want to read, if I could, a few verses from James chapter 3. I'm going to actually read from the NIV version um, today. But just follow along on the screen. It says this beginning in 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He's talking about accountability of leadership. He's not saying we shouldn't do that, but in doing that, we've got to realize there's a greater responsibility for the way we conduct and live our lives and what we'll see in the things that we also say. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, amen? Anyone who is never at fault in what they say. Here it is, here's the math. Anyone who is not in fault for what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So what, what has he identified as the problem straight off the bat? He's identified the problem as being our mouths. And really being more than just our mouths, because what our mouths say, the words that come from our mouths. He said, if we can control what we say, everything's going to be okay. But the problem is what? The problem is that we all stumble many times. We're not perfect. I like what the Message Bible says. Listen to this. It says, if you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you would have a perfect person in perfect control of life. We haven't arrived there yet. Come on, we haven't arrived there yet. But we need to be arriving. Amen? Verse 3, when you put bits in the mouths of horses, you make them obey us. And you can turn the whole animal. You can control or have control with a little bit for this or take a ship as an example although they are so large and they are driven by strong winds they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts consider what great forest is set on fire by just a small spark The tongue also is a fire. It's that kind of fire, is what the Bible is saying. It's a world of evil. New King James Version says this, a world of iniquity or unrighteousness. It's a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts what? The whole body. Come on, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And here's our theme scripture. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Message Bible says, my friends, this cannot go on. Come on, this cannot go on. Come on, it cannot go on. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine 
bear figs. Neither can a salty spring produce fresh water. I want to read verse 4, if I could, again from the Message Bible, because here's where we're going to jump into today in our thoughts today. Message Bible says this, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Come on, it says, A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. So what do we say? What do we heard? What has been told to our lives? That words can either accomplish anything or they can destroy anything. The power of my words. We can either build up or we can tear down with what? The content of my words. What am I saying? What do we say? There is such power that we don't realize. And the Bible, as we just read, said it's not just a power, but it's an unruly power. It's a power that cannot be tamed. It's a power that there's a constant struggle and fight in our lives. Now listen, what we've just read doesn't mean, well, I'll never have control of my tongue. It just means this, that there's always going to be a constant fight each and every day when it comes to what we say. Come on now. doesn't mean that we'll never have control, so don't use that as an excuse. Well, the Bible says I'll never control my tongue. Notice it says man won't control my tongue, but God can control your tongue if you surrender it to him. You see, man can't do it on his own is what we've just read. And it's just like with our lives spiritually. What is it? It's a daily walk. We need God each and every day. We've got to daily pick up our cross. And just like with that, we've got to daily renew ourselves in the thought of watch what I say, what I do. And it's not just in the morning, is it? Come on, it's throughout the day. It's constantly, you've got to be on guard. Come on, is anyone with me here? You've got to be constantly on guard with what you say because at any time, something wrong can come out. You know, we've told this story many times. It's a good one. It's about a young man that he wanted a bike. And someone in his neighborhood had a bike. And so the little boy said to him, well, you know, can I cut your grass? Because I'm trying to raise enough money to buy a bike. And the guy says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I need a mower because mine broke. You need a bike. I have a bike. You have a mower. Let's make a trade. The little boy was thrilled. No more cutting grass. No more trying to get some money to buy a bike. And this was a beautiful bike. So he's so happy riding around the neighborhood, feeling so good about himself. And he comes around and he circles the block a few times. And here's that man in the middle of the yard, red-faced, sweat pouring out. And he's just pulling that mower. And he's pulling that mower. And he's pulling that mower. And he's just about to explode. So finally, as the little boy laps the neighborhood again, the guy calls him over and says, Son, what have you done? I mean, I thought we had a fair trade. I don't want something that doesn't work. He says, Oh, sir, it works. And the guy says, Well, I can't get it to work. He said, Well, there's a secret, sir. And the guy said, well, please tell me the secret. He says, you've got to curse at it. The guy said, curse at it? I'm an elder in my church. I don't do that. I haven't spoken like that for years. And the little boy began to ride off in the street and he shouted over his shoulder, keep pulling. Those words will come back to you. <laughs> come on now, you know Come on, a hammer hitting on the thumb. Some words can come back that you haven't had for a while. Isn't it amazing when the wrong buttons are pushed and pressed that words and expressions can surface in our lives that even shock us to the core. I know we can laugh about it, but the reality is it needs to change. Come on, it needs to change because there's no justification for that type of behavior. And you know, you've got to realize this, they came from somewhere. They didn't come from that chest that you had buried in the attic somewhere or buried in the backyard. You know where they came from? The Bible says they have come from your heart. They have come from your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, out of my heart, the mouth speaks. New Living Translation says, for whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. Wow. Oh, but no, that was just a wrong word. No, there's a problem with your heart because it's coming from your heart. Can you see why it's so important that we have subjects and series on things like this? 
Because if our heart's wrong, everything else is going to be wrong. And we've got to have a heart that's right. Remember what James 3 verse 10, our theme scripture says, these things are not right. Come on, we shouldn't bless with the same mouth that we curse someone. These things are not right. They shouldn't be. So what does that mean? We cannot keep brushing off and excusing those things. We've got to deal with them. We've got to deal with the issue of the heart, which means what? Our relationship with him. Come on, I want to say something today. I don't want to go on record as this. Are you ready? I want you to hear this today. There is never a reason for you to say the wrong thing. Well, thank you. I got one amen. There is never a reason for you to say the wrong, hurtful thing. There's no excuse for you to curse and scream. There's no excuse for you to tear down someone. And then you turn around and say, well, they made me do it. No one made you do it. Because those words came from where? Your heart. You did that yourself. So there's never a reason. Oh, well, they deserved it. Come on, they don't deserve it. If we're going to talk about deserving stuff, then let's really talk about what we deserve. Come on. We don't deserve anything because of who we are and what we are. Come on. Thank God that he didn't base what he did upon us of what we deserve. His grace and mercy says you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So if you want to talk about them deserving stuff, let's look at what you and I deserve. Because we don't. So we've got to watch. Oh, my wife just knows that I don't mean that. Never a reason. Oh, my kids know that that's just the culture I was brought up in. Listen, what walks in the parents is going to run in the children. So what you may just do a little, they're going to do a whole lot off. So you've got to challenge yourself and you've got to watch What's going on in your life? Because I've been around people where their kids are cussing and screaming and hollering and and they're about to discipline and say, what's up with you? Where are you getting that from? And the kid looks at them and heard it from you. I mean, how can you discipline your child when that's the case? You need to discipline yourself. And how do you do that? Hit your knees and repent because it's a heart issue. You need to get it right in your heart so it changes. The wrong thing should never be our default mode. That we just go back and resort back to. Come on, just look at the person beside you and just say to them, sorry. Come on, sorry. You probably needed to do that. If that's your husband or wife or your kids, you probably needed to do that. Why? Because you probably said some things. You've made some innuendos. You've you've said those things that maybe you shouldn't have. Come on, we, we must not speak words of damnation. We've got to start speaking words of healing. Healing. By the way, this series is going to go on till Christmas. Is that okay? Only plan. It's a lot to cover. We're not going to go till Christmas. Maybe Thanksgiving, but we're just going to hang in there. But you know what? There's so much that we need here, and you've got to discover. You know, in 1914, Josh was talking about Wrigley Field was built in 1914, I believe he says. You know what else was built in 1914? Anyone know about something very famous that was built in 1914? It was known as the Panama Canal. The Panama Canal. The Panama Canal was built, and it's a 48-mile-long canal. And it was labeled as one of the most difficult engineering projects that was ever undertaken, taking 33 years to complete. It was started by the French, but due to um, problems and just they had so much mortality, they had so much people dying due to just disease that they had to stop and America picked it up and for 10 years they completed the task. So why was it so important? Why go through all this, 33 years and all this effort and all this loss of life? Why go through all of that? Why was it so important? You see, you've got to understand prior to that, if you wanted to leave from New York and you wanted to go to um, San Francisco, what would have to happen is that would be a journey of over 13,000 miles. And that journey of over 13,000 miles would take you along the southernmost tip of South America, known as Cape Horn, one of the most treacherous stretches of water there is on the planet. So ships to get to safety would have to go through such unrest where so many ships were lost. But it wasn't just a case of the risk. The time that it took for them to go was just absolutely unbelievable. So this canal took 8,000 miles 
off of that journey. And it made, in essence, the Atlantic and the Pacific connect. And really, it made the whole world a more accessible place for people to be trade, for people to be able to... It changed the commerce of the whole world, a simple connecting canal. Why would I talk about that? What does that have to do, Pastor P, with our words? I want to tell you what it has to do with our words because it shows the power of connection that our words really has. Because just like that connected and made a difference for us even today, our words are connections that are going to make a difference for our daily lives and in everything that we do. They're going to change the whole outcome and they will change the whole outcome of our lives. So let's go to the start of it all. If we're going to discover it, let's go back to Genesis. We're going to look today real quickly at the creation, creation account. And we're going to discover something. We're going to ask ourselves a question. What did God use to create, to build, to form, to fashion this world? I'm going to give you a hint right now. It wasn't his hands. It wasn't his hands. Look what it says in Genesis 1 verse 3. It says this, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1 verse 6 says this, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Verse 9, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens, etc., etc. If you would notice, there's a common denominator in every one of those verses and others that you would read through the first three chapters of Genesis. And that is this, God said. God said, God said, he spoke and by his words, everything was created and came into existence. He didn't magically shake his hand or shake a wand. He maybe moved his hands while he was speaking because I do a lot of that. Anyone notice? I sometimes put them in my pocket so I can just keep them from waving around. But you know what? He maybe waved his hands. He maybe kind of was theatrical and go, and he spoke. I don't know. But it wasn't the action of his body and his hands that created. It was the words that came out of his mouth. And as he spoke, he framed this world that we live in. Then in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, we see in the midst of all this, God said something else. And God said, let us make man. In our image. He's finished everything else. And he's looking at it all and it's good. But he's now getting ready to do the best of everything else that was good. And he said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. That means that we can have dominion over roaches, that we can squash them under our feet. That's the Bible giving us liberty to do that right there. That we can have dominion. Come on, let's have some dominion. Come on, anyone like taking dominion over things like that? Praise God. Come on, come on, come on, come on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Notice how God created us. Everything else was created from For that purpose. Come on, the trees came from the ground. Why? Because without being connected to the ground, a tree will not live. So therefore, God created out of that which needed to be a connection in order for it to be sustained and live. God did not create man. Well, he created him out of the dust of the ground. But God did something different in the fact of this. God created man in his image and likeness. Why? Because we can only live by being connected to him. That's only true life, through connection to him. And what we see is that we were made in his image and likeness. Anything else he created, but there was something with his masterpiece, his prized possession. And that's why your words and that's why my words have so much power. We've said this many times, but this is good. You need to take notes in church. And if you are, you need to write this down. Are you ready? We create the world we live in by the words that we say. We create the world that we live in through the words that we say out of our mouths. And because we were created in his image and likeness, now the power, of course, that God possesses is nothing like what we possess. It's nothing. We're not even close to God. So don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. 
But what you've got to understand is this, that when God breathed life into us, God deposited something special in mankind that no, none other of his creation had. Come on. No other species on this earth has what man has. Look what it says, Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of, breath of life. And man became a living being. He became a living soul. One translation says it like this. Man became a speaking spirit. A speaking spirit. Come on, we're the only species that what? Can communicate our heart's feelings, our dreams, our hopes and plans. Other animals, they send some type of signals. They communicate and they understand at some level, but not on the same level as we do as human beings. They cannot communicate their deepest things in their heart. Why? Because they don't have a spirit. They don't have a spirit inside of them. So again, this is why it's so important to learn to control your tongue because they are weapons of great power. We were created in the likeness of a God who spoke things into being. As a result of that, there's something special that we possess in what we say and in what we do. So we need to be very careful that we're not bringing death, but yet we're speaking life. And today I want to talk about connection and disconnecting. And I want to talk about it to God. We can talk about it in other relationships because that's really important too. Our words build the friendships and the relationships that we have. You know the reason why our kids are not good kids is because of the words we speak. You know why our marriages are not good? Because of the words that we speak. We, we like to say, well, we're just not compatible. We, we don't have this. Listen, a study was done and it was nothing to do with things you had common interest in and things that you did. The reason why there was divorce and separation was because of the harshness of words. They discovered that if a couple made a hundred comments to each other, they discovered that if five of those were negative out of the hundred, they discovered what? That everything would kind of be okay. But they discovered that if there was 10 words out of that 100 comments that was negative, it could cause a family to split apart. That small of a difference can make all of the difference. And we've got to watch those things. But we're going to be talking today about connecting to God. And again, I want to make reference to James 3, 4 from the Message Bible. And it says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or it can destroy it. A word out of your mouth can seem of no account, but it can accomplish... That's the wrong scripture up there, sorry. And, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. So point number one is this, disconnection from God. Disconnecting from God. We're going to start with the negative and then we're going to finish up with the positive. Is that okay? Okay. So how can we disconnect from God? We disconnect from God by our words. Through our words. What we say has a massive bearing on our relationship with him. I want to talk about the devil, if I may, for a few moments. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. What does he want to do? Disconnect us from God. Do you see that? Because we're created in the image and likeness of God. Come on, he can't touch God. How many knows the devil can't touch God? So what does he do? He touches the closest, dearest thing to God. He goes after that which was created in the image and likeness of God. You are little gods to the devil. So he wants to destroy you. Can't touch God, but he can touch you. So you've got to realize that Satan's goal in life is to disconnect us from our power source. Because when we're disconnected from God, we're going to die. We don't have life. He wants to disconnect us from God. But notice Jesus came. Here's the reason he came. He says, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, or that you can live in a life of abundance. So you've got to know this, though, about Satan. And that is this. Satan has limits to what he can do. Satan is limited to what he can do. We, we give Satan too much credit in our lives, and we give him too much power and liberty in our lives. He's limited to what he's doing. Here's one of his greatest limitations, and that is this. He cannot destroy you and take your life. If Satan could destroy you and take your life, he would have done it a long time ago. 
Come on, he would have done it a long time ago. He would have taken you out. If you were that much of a threat to him, he would have done that. And we see that from Job, that he had to appear before God and give an account of his well-being and who he was and where he was and everything. And he had to ask God permission for anything and everything he does. He is a defeated foe. And we have power over him. So because he can't kill us, what does the devil do? He just quits and leaves us alone. Man, I wished he would. Anyone wish that the devil would just realize that and quit and leave us alone? But he doesn't, does he? So what does he do? If he can't touch you there, he's going to find somewhere else. He's going to keep looking for the weak link, the link that will bring us down. And can I share with you today that Satan's most proven successful tactic against every one of our lives is the same thing. Are you ready? Here's what it is. He wants to turn your mouth against yourself. He wants you to begin to use your mouth as a cursing device instead of a blessing device. What? Yeah, you're working for the enemy When you say the wrong things. And you're not just working for him, you're destroying yourself. So he can't touch you physically. And he can't change your life. But he says, why should I have to bother when I can just get you to do it for yourself? You're working for the devil. Did you know that? Most of us, every day, are working for the devil as he turns our words to destroy ourselves. You know, we heard this once as a sermon illustration. It was Stephen Furtick that was saying this, that his grandmother used to be so negative and the things that she said, and she used to say to the kids, you're going to worry me to death. You know, they're just those statements and those things we say. You know what's a real helpful thing? It may not be helpful. It may kind of be hurtful to start with, but it will end up being helpful, is if you tag everything you say in life with this, and that's the way I want it. Come on, you kids, you're never going to be anything. And that's the way I want it. I don't want that. Come on. I'm just going to die with this cancer. And that's the way I want it. You're going to be worthless and nothing just like your father. Come on, help me out. And that's just the way. That's not the way I want it. But what? Man, I got chills. It's not the way I want it. But that's the way Satan wants it. And you are now being used. Come on, there's so much power in the words we speak. You've got to understand this because he wants to disconnect us from God. Why make us doubt God? Come on, back to the garden quickly. We've got to move on. Come on, say, Pastor, move on quickly. Genesis 3.15, NIV version says this. When Satan approaches Eve in the garden, what does he say? He says, did God really say? Did God really say? What's he doing? He's making them doubt. He's doing everything in his power to deceive Eve from trusting God's word. He's sowing doubt because seeds of doubt are going to produce a harvest of doubt. So if he can begin to sow those doubts, then what begins to happen? The words of a faithful God, the words of a good God, the words of a God that we honor and love, those words that we need to be saying in our life all of a sudden begin to be shifted. And now we're saying things like, I don't think he's that good of a God anymore. And then we begin to question God and we really then begin to say things like this. Well, I just don't know if God even cares about me. Come on, don't look at me so super spiritual because you know you've said that. And if you haven't said it, you've typed it. Which is as good as saying it. Out of the abundance of the heart. Have you heard the new translation? Out of the abundance of the heart, the fingers type. Amen. It's in there. It's in there. Read it. Read it. Well, I can't take it to God anymore because I don't even think God listens. God doesn't even love me. Have you ever said that? Well, that's using Words of glory, twisted now to be words of cursing our lives. Satan's using, come on, we're we're falling victim to him. Can I really trust God with my life and my future? You see, when those thoughts begin to come in, the words change. Our lives change. They're now sparked by doubt and they disconnect us. Instead of connecting us, now we feel distant and we feel abandoned. 
But more has just happened than our words have changed. Because remember, words are just an extension of our heart. Let's look at this passage really quickly. And I almost hate to go here today because I know we don't have a lot of time. And it's a tough passage, but we need to go there. And hopefully I can explain it. God help me to explain it. Matthew 12, 31, 32. It's a very misunderstood passage of Scripture. Jesus says, written in red, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, meaning you and I, the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this age or in the age to come. We can read something like that and say, well, there's no hope for me because I've spoke against God. Come on, I've said things against God. I've said there's no God maybe in my life at times. I've said, so, Pastor Philip, I've blasphemed. Here's what I want to give you peace in this. If you are concerned that you have blasphemed against God, then I feel confident you haven't. Because if you're concerned about, maybe you had at one time, but you're not living in that way anymore. Because you see, if you're not concerned, then that's when you have to be worried. Because then that's when your heart doesn't care. And that's when your heart is so separated from God. You know, even in our worst days, come on, we still love God, don't we? We still want to do what's pleasing to God. We don't have a hopefully a callous, cold heart that just doesn't care. And the enemy wants to try to get us that way, and he's working hard to do that. But I just really feel that if you're concerned about it, then you haven't done that. But you see, it's more than just speaking words. It's more than, well, I've said this, I've said that. You've got to realize that the thought continues. And he uses analogy now to emphasize what he says, okay? And he talks about it because it's not just the words that you say, but remember, it's where it originates from. So let's read on, if we could, verse 33 through 37. And again, the same thought, just presented slightly different. It says, you either make the tree good or its fruit bad. Or else you make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Are you with me? So you can't have a bad tree and good fruit. You can't have a good tree and bad fruit. A tree is known. So what is the fruit of your life comes from the type of life that you live in. And what we're going to discover is the heart of man. Our heart determines the fruit of our lives. Okay, read on. You brood of vipers. Now, you can be offended by that. He's not really addressing us. He's addressing the Pharisees of that day because in verse 24, if you would turn back to that, he said, or they said, you're of Beelzebub. You're of the devil and you're casting out demons by the devil. Jesus says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So this is who he is addressing here in this passage specifically. You, you brood of vipers, you people who are what? Let's read on. It says, how can you being evil speak good things? Things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you speak out of your heart. And he goes on to say, a good man, verse 35, out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word, every neutral, just venting, I'm just saying something, no feelings attached, I'm just saying. God says, however you want to address it, however you want to say it, he says every word is what he's saying that comes out of your mouth or you type that you may speak, you're going to have to give an account for it on the day of judgment. For with your words, you will be justified. Say with me, connected. I'm connected by my words, justified, or by my words, I will be Condemned. Say with me, disconnected. I'm either connected or disconnected to God by my words, but it's deeper than just my words. It's from my heart. Because from my heart, those words come. So in a nutshell, what has he just said? He says, if you're a bad tree, you're going to have bad fruit. And it's therefore, if you've got a bad mouth, it's evident of a bad heart. Bad tree, bad heart. So let me break it down. Again, Lord, help me to try and justify this. What Jesus is addressing here is this, a cold, disbelieving heart, which the Pharisees had. Because they fully denied God that he had any power and authority in everything he did by the devil. There's not a worse insult that they could have given at that time. Because that was totally disnouncing and saying and putting him down and saying, you are not who you say you are. You're of the devil. You're not of God. 
So that is the total biggest insult that they could ever give him. And from that type of heart, Jesus says, what you do and say will send you to hell. That's what he's saying. From that type of indifferent heart, the results is not going to be a life with God. Why? Because again, your mouth is connected to your heart and out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So it's a heart issue, not a mouth issue. The words that come out of our mouth are direct indicators of what's going on in our hearts. So if Satan can get us to doubt God, are you listening? If Satan can get us to question God, it's a greater effect than just the words that we're saying. He's affecting our hearts also. And when God looks at man, he doesn't look through the words we say. He looks through the state of our hearts, from the inside out. Satan doesn't want your words. Oh, but Pastor Philip, you said that Satan wants to use my words to destroy me. Yeah, but he's not just interested in your words because he wants your heart. Your words are just the, what, tool that gets him into your heart, because if he gets your heart, he's disconnected you from God. So yes, our words are so powerful because they reveal our heart. And a wrong heart is what Jesus is saying here that cannot be forgiven. If we have a wrong heart, we cannot be forgiven. But what can we do? The Bible says that we can confess with confession. Look what it says in Romans 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and then you believe in your heart, see through the confession, just like negativity can produce or the heart can produce negativity. Come on, our words can begin to speak to our hearts too, that we can believe and we can change our hearts, and that God can do that as we release God into our lives. And guess what happens? Then we will be saved. God's not contradicting himself and saying, if you're speaking the wrong words, you won't be. But what he's saying is, with a wrong heart, you won't be. But just in the same way that we can disconnect with our mouths, we can connect with our mouths by confessing and saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. And I need your help and I need your mercy. Do you see why Satan wants to disconnect you and for what reason? Come on, hello. He wants to take you out. Come on, I'm almost done today. Come on, let me just hit the second part. Are you ready? Connection to God. Come on, shout amen. We're ready for this. We're ready to be connected to God. Any relationship is built upon what? Interaction, speaking, and communication. Psalms 100 is one of many scriptures that shows this. Look at Psalms 100, says this. It says this, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Come unto before his presence with singing. Know that he is God. He has made us not ourselves, we're his people, the sheep of his pastures. All these kind of things, for the Lord is good. We read it earlier today in the passage. But you know, there's some key things there. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Come on. It talks about singing. It talks about giving thanksgiving. It talks about giving praise. What are they? They're all expressions of words, what we say. So if you want to know how we connect to God, there's two powerful ways that we connect to God. The first way we connect to God is through praise. Praise. Through praise and worship. It's one of the greatest ways that we can connect to God. And again, that's why Satan wants to silence our praise and steal our joy. Because he wants to use our mouths against us instead of a mouth that will give glory and honor to God. You know, here's how he does that. Are you ready? In church, maybe even today, you've kind of sat down and you said, you know what, I just don't like that song. Don't like that style. Don't like how they sing that. Don't like this. Don't like that. I've heard people even say this. You know what, I didn't get anything from that today. Well, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was for you. Come on, let's just be real. Sorry, I didn't realize it was for you. I didn't realize we were supposed to be praising you. And if you didn't get anything from that today, I'm sorry. It's not about you. Come on, it's about giving to God. Come on now. It's all for him, 
not for us. It's our way to give to God that when we praise and we sing and we magnify, it's our way to connect to God. Come on, we've been disconnected through this week. Come on, that's why every day we've got to enter into his gates. Every day we've got to praise God because there's disconnection happening all the time. But I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David said that I'll make my boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt. That's a praise. I'm connecting my life back to God. And by the way, when we do that, it's not about us, but God makes it about us. Are you glad that when we make it about him, he also makes it about us? Come on, you should shout amen with that. Why? Because when you begin to praise him, you get something back. Psalms 22 verse 3 says, but he is enthroned in the praises of his people. Literally, as we praise, we piece together a throne where his presence can come down and dwell. Doesn't come and leave. His presence wants to come and dwell. Come on, as we begin to praise him, as we praises go up, come on, his presence comes down and we have him with us each and every day. It creates a realm for him to inhabit. It welcomes him in. Connects us together. So Satan wants to do everything he can to stop us praising. Listen, if Josh stood up here, and I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to happen. But if Josh stood up here and said, we're going to sing a song today. We all live in the yellow submarine. Let's stand up and praise God. Let me tell you something. If my heart is right before God, I'm going to lift my hands in the air and I'm going to praise God. Why? Because you know what? If that song may not be the greatest and it may not be this, but you know what? I'm just going to connect to God through that. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm talking about praise is an important thing, but what is it? It's a heart thing. And as a result of the heart, my words give praise and glory to God. Because when my heart is right, I can give God praise in anything. And through everything, and despite of everything. Why? Because praise is what? Expressing your gratitude to God. Saying thank you, God. Satan wants you to grumble and complain. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're a grumbler. You know why Satan wants you to grumble? Because grumbling is an expression of unbelief and ingratitude. Come on, it's an expression of unbelief and not being gracious and having gratitude in your life. And they are two massive inhibitors to our connection with God. As we praise Him, give honor, ascribe greatness to Him, our faith and gratitude rises. As we're connected to him. Come on, here's another great one. Are you ready? Another great way to connect with God is prayer. 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 What a, what a power. What a force that we have. And in its simplest form, you know what prayer is? Are you ready? Conversation with God. What's up, God? It's me. Come on, anyone remember Different Strokes? Anyone remember that show, Different Strokes? If you're probably 40 and older, you remember that. That was the big hit. You know, we're showing our age today. Remember when Arnold used to go up on his top bunk and say, what up, God? It's me again. Remember me? Made joke of it, but yet it's a conversation. That's what it is. It's talking to God. And again, that's why Satan wants to silence our prayers, because he wants to silence the connection and disconnect us, making us doubt. What's the point? Why do we do that? Why? Because he wants to disconnect us and use our words against us. Instead of to connect us to God. God's word says differently. Can I tell you what Satan says? Oh, there's no power in that. God's word says differently. Let me give you some scriptures today. And I know time is gone. But just really quickly. Psalms 145 verse 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. So what does it mean? As I pray, as I call upon him, where's God? Near to me. Come on, what is that? He's connected to me. He's right there with me. As I come to him in truth, I'm having a bad day, God, tough. I'm not lying to God. I'm being truthful with God. And what happens? It connects me to God. It welcomes him into my world. Are you ready for another one? Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Come on, call upon me and I will answer you. Come on, not maybe. God says, I will. As I call, as I pray, God says, I'll answer. And listen, the answer he sends will blow your mind because he says, I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. Those things which are unreachable and accessible out of reach right now, God says, as you begin to pray and connect to me, come on, those things become possible in your life. Can you see the connection that we have and why Satan wants to steal this? First Thessalonians 5 verse 7 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 
Pray without ceasing. Why would God tell us to pray without ceasing? We can't be on our knees the whole day and our hands clenched and stuff, but we're in an attitude of prayer and thanksgiving to God in everything that we do. That we can be just driving along. Luke and I have been in the car and we've just been driving along. I say, thank you, Jesus. And he'll say to me, what are you thankful for? Man, that's the worst question that you can ask me. Come on, have you got all day? But I turn it around on him and I say, well, what are you thankful for? And we start going through the list of everything that we've got to be thankful for. Come on, we've got more to be thankful for than what we haven't. Come on, we've got more. And we praise God without ceasing. Why does God want that? Because he knows that's what keeps us connected to him. A connection that allows you to hear his voice, to feel his promptings, to have access to his power, to be anchored by his peace. Come on, you can be so anchored to the peace of God that in the greatest storms of life, you're still connected. You're going to make it through. Why? Because you are connected to a God that will never let you go. I wonder today if you have that type of connection. Do you have that connection? I'm telling you, you can. And the only reason you don't is because of you, not God. Not anyone else, but it's all on you. You can have that type of prayer life. You know what I love about God, and we went through a whole series about this. Come on, God wants you to find your own prayer groove. Come on, teach me how to pray, not teach us how to pray. Teach me. Every one of us has a different prayer style and how we do it. Come on, if I sit and pray, I'll just be honest with you, I'm going to fall asleep. Come on, I'm just being honest. If I try and pray in my head, it's over because my head just has so much going on inside of it at all times. My wife says to me all the time, you disturb me when you pray. Why? Because I pray loud. I have to pray loud to drown out myself. Anyone with me with that? I like to walk and pray. Come on, the people in my neighborhood must think I'm this crazy lunatic that walks around talking to myself every day. But I like to do that. I like to do that. Why? Because that's my way. How do you pray? That's fine. However you do, just pray. Because it's a connection to God. How many situations and circumstances would have been different, the outcome affected, if you and I would have had a closer relationship with God? It's quite a thought there, isn't it? Quite a thought. Don't look at me crazy because you know it's true. Connection is possible through prayer. And again, Satan doesn't like it. So he wants to disconnect you. One last statement and then I'm going to close. You can determine your future quality of life by the words you speak today. You can determine the future and the quality of your life by the words you speak today. You can make it right. Just every head bowed and every eyes closed. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just want.